Welcome to Vango Notes for Excellence in Business, 3rd Edition, by Cortland Beauvais, John Phil, and Michael Mescon. Chapter 1. In Pursuit of Prosperity, the Fundamentals of Business and Economics. Section 1. Big Ideas. In 1925, President Calvin Coolidge declared, The chief business of the American people is business. This simple statement captures the enormous influence businesses have on the health of the United States economy and on the general well-being of our society. What exactly is business? It's an organized, profit-seeking activity that provides goods and services designed to satisfy customers' needs. Business firms provide us with our necessities, our jobs, our means to prosper, and much more. One main reason people go into business is to pursue profits. Profit is the money that remains after you deduct expenses from the sales revenue the business has brought in. Not every organization exists to earn a profit. Museums, symphonies, libraries, charities, and your college or university are examples of nonprofit organizations. When you think of Dell, you think of computers. When you think of America Online, you probably think of interactive services. Dell is a goods-producing business because it makes tangible products, computers. America Online is a service business because it produces intangible products, mainly Internet access. In your lifetime, the United States has shifted from being dominated by manufacturing to being dominated by services. The reason for this change include rising disposable income and changing demographic patterns and lifestyle trends. Let's talk about basic economic principles that help us understand how businesses compete. Economics is the study of how society uses its resources to produce and distribute goods and services. These resources are called factors of production. They include natural resources like land and forests, human resources, capital, entrepreneurs, and knowledge. Do individuals and businesses in the United States decide to allocate the country's resources the same way as, say, individuals and businesses in Cuba? If you answered no, you're right. The reason these two countries allocate their resources differently is that they operate under different economic systems. An economic system is the set of rules for allocating resources to satisfy citizens' needs. In a free market system like the United States, Buyers and sellers decide what to produce and in what quantities. In contrast, in a planned system, the government controls most of the factors of production and regulates their allocation. In the United States, the free market system is a capitalist system, based on economic freedom, private ownership, and competition. But the government does intervene in the economy to a limited extent, and so the United States is technically a mixed economy or a mixed capitalist economy. In countries such as Cuba and North Korea, the government makes most production and allocation decisions. These economic systems are founded on communism. Between capitalism and communism is socialism, in which the government owns some resources and allows private ownership of certain industries. Historically, socialist economies like Great Britain, Mexico, France, and Sweden are moving toward free market systems through a process known as privatization, in which government-owned enterprises are sold to privately held firms. Now let's talk about microeconomics, the study of the economic behavior of consumers, businesses, and industries. 
At the heart of every business transaction is an exchange between a buyer and a seller. Say you want to buy an MP3 player because you want the convenience of storing a lot of music digitally. A retailer is willing to sell you the MP3 player because he expects a financial gain. Your willingness and ability to buy the MP3 player is called demand. The specific quantity of MP3 players that the retailer is able and willing to provide is called supply. Exhibit 1.3 in the book shows the demand curve, a graph of the quantities of products that buyers will purchase at various prices. This graph tells us that the higher the price, the smaller the quantity demanded. Also check Exhibit 1.6. This shows that the higher the price buyers are willing to pay, the larger the quantity of products sellers are willing to produce and sell. This relationship between prices and quantities that sellers will offer for sale, regardless of demand, is the supply curve. For the last piece of the picture, glance at Exhibit 1.9. This shows the interaction of supply and demand curves. The two curves intersect at the equilibrium price, where quantity supplied equals quality demanded, and the amount of the product supplied by sellers and the amount demanded by buyers are in balance. Now let's consider macroeconomics. That includes the big picture issues in an economy, like how firms compete and the effect of government policies on the overall economy. Competition is the rivalry among businesses for the same customer. In pure competition, so many buyers and sellers exist that no single party can individually influence market prices. In the United States and other free market economies, though, most competition is monopolistic competition, where many sellers differentiate their products from rivals' offerings. The makers of toothpaste, for example, sell products that vary in the features each offers. There are two other forms of competition. First, in an oligopoly, a market is dominated by just a few producers, like the commercial aircraft manufacturing industry. Second, a monopoly exists when there are no direct competitors and one company dominates. In the United States, monopolies are prohibited by law, except for natural monopolies like the companies that supply gas and electricity. While the free market system works pretty well, it's far from perfect. Serious problems such as businesses behaving badly when they engage in anti-competitive business practices can occur if the system is left unchecked. To prevent these problems, the government plays several roles like preserving and fostering competition, creating and enforcing antitrust legislation, protecting stakeholders, and contributing to economic stability. When you listen or watch the economic news, you'll hear terms like recession, recovery, monetary policy, and fiscal policy. What do these mean? When the economy grows and people spend more, an economic expansion occurs. In contrast, an economic contraction happens when spending declines. If the period of downward swing is severe, the nation may enter into a recession. When the economy bounces back from a recession, a recovery takes place. These up and down swings are known as the business cycle. How does the government influence the business cycle? The government can pull the strings of the national economy through monetary policy. The actions the Federal Reserve Board takes to regulate the nation's money supply. The government can also use fiscal policy by increasing or decreasing its own revenues and expenditures. 
When you hear newscasters mention changes in the country's interest rates, employment rates, housing data, and other statistics on economic performance, you're hearing about economic indicators. These data tell us about the general health of the economy. Price changes are very important economic indicators. For example, when the pump price of gas steadily rises over time, inflation, a steady rise in the general level of prices throughout the economy, is at work. When pump prices progressively fall over time, deflation, which is the opposite of inflation, occurs. Price indexes, such as the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, monitor the rate of inflation or deflation by measuring the changes in the prices of a market basket of goods over time. The broadest measure of an economy's health is its gross domestic product, or GDP. The gross domestic product measures a country's output by adding up the value of all the finished goods and services produced during a specified period. Sales from a Honda assembly plant in California, for instance, are included in the GDP. No matter what direction the United States economy takes in the future, two things are certain. First, globalization. The tendency of the world's economies to act as a single interdependent economy will open new markets around the world for many companies. Second, your success as a manager or an entrepreneur will depend on how well you can handle key challenges, like producing quality products and services to satisfy customers' changing needs, thinking globally but acting locally, behaving in an ethically and socially responsible manner, and keeping pace with technology and e-commerce. That's the end of this section.